Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Ladd. Oh, he did it! No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. This diva Mark. I'm glad you can accommodate, man. I appreciate it. It's just it's, <laughs> don't say don't say we're not team players here at uh, coast to coast. <laughs> I never, never will say you guys aren't. Let me go ahead and get this message out on X really quickly. Let them know we're live. Just a little bit earlier than usual, but uh, once again, Wednesdays, wherever y'all are listening and tapped in with us. How was your time here in the city? I know you're on the way out, but. uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to see family. I got the link up with you yesterday. We, uh. Shot some hoops, man. You know, we did a radio bit on 610 with T-Dot. We had a pretty eventful day, right? We had a full day, man. Like, you know, I feel like I was really your big brother. I always feel like I'm your big brother normally, but yesterday I was like, you know, taking you around to all the things I was doing and like introducing you and you came to hoops. So I'm like, you know, this is, this is more, and everybody's like, oh yeah, you don't. You the one with those bad takes on social media. I seen you before. Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, we started off 0 and 2. We ended the day 500. We salvaged our night for sure. Look, man, I wasn't going. I wasn't getting swept. That wasn't. Getting Can I swept. tell you guys that Aaron's a big trash talker on the court, man? <laughs> I didn't know that about him. That, yeah, was, that was interesting to watch. That surprises you. I mean, to that extent, I mean, you even said you're not going to talk that much trash. Yesterday was just kind of one of them days. Yeah. <laughs> and you know exactly it was a, like a foul call, especially when you playing pickup. You know, you just like, try to take that game away from us, bro. That was nasty. <laughs> wasn't having it. So, you know, I had to I'm usually in that Pat Bev role to begin with. So, you know, I had to had to let them know. Had to... <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, that was cool, man. I know the circumstances weren't great, but it was good to have you in the city. Good to link up. Uh, did do some 610. We popped in on the drive with my boy C Dot. Did that. Talked about Chiefs wide receiver room and all that. So that that, that was cool, man. I, I know you posted on on social that that was a really cool moment. Do you have you had a little bit more time to reflect on that? You know, help accomplishing lifelong dreams here in the city of Champ. Here in my city, Kansas City. I mean, you know, I, that's just a station I grew up listening to, like, pretty much my whole life. So it was pretty cool just to actually be in studio and be on air, you know, in my hometown. So definitely something we could check off the, the bucket list for sure. Well, let's get into it so you can catch your flight back to L.A. Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 58 here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Mark Gunnels is still here in KC for a few more hours. So is Aaron Ladd here from the studios at KSHB 41. Steven Serta is behind the board. We're dissecting another Chiefs win here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. It always feels good. It wasn't as close as many people expected. We'll break down why and how they can improve on that headed into the Minnesota Vikings game in week five. Mark Gunnels will go down to Vegas after a good week last week. He's rebounding. He's getting closer to 500. And hopes to surpass 500 here with three more winners 
in week five. We can't have coast to coast without you all, the fans, the listeners, the fam. I don't even like calling them fans, man, because that doesn't feel right. It's a family here at Chiefs Coast to Coast, and it all starts with getting your questions, comments, criticism, and concerns. We'll start off with a voicemail here in a second, but if you want to make sure your voice is heard, couple ways that you can do that. First is our voicemail line, 816-514-1267. That goes right to Serta's phone. So if you want to call that as late as possible, wake him up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, do that. <laughs> you can do it that way or hashtag C to C, wherever you're tapped in with us. we got a couple folks on YouTube. Daniel Barry already says, yo, so does Jeremiah tapped in on YouTube. If you're listening there or on X. Instagram, wherever we love making y'all part of the show. How about Chiefs Kingdom extending in a place that I maybe didn't consider it? My boy Ricky Jackson has called in. Ricky uh, uh, wanted to play, wanted to tap in with us from a unique place. Ricky, what you got for us? What's up, Chief Kingdom? Ricky Jackson, self-appointed Memphis, Tennessee representative. I believe wherever we lay our hat, we home. Go Chiefs. They say it's not enough of us in Memphis. I said one is enough. Me, go Chiefs. Ricky said, I'm the only Chiefs fan in Memphis, Tennessee, but I'm going to let folks know, and I'm going to call in the Chiefs coast to coast and remind y'all who it is. Cool. <laughs> Appreciate that, Ricky, man. Uh, shout out you listening to Coast to Coast all the way out there in Memphis, Tennessee. If you want to just chime in and let us know where you're listening for, we'll take that too, man. Have you been to Memphis before, Mark Gunnels? Yeah, I've been there a few times. I got some family out there and, you know, they try to compare their barbecue to Kansas City's. Definitely not on the same level. Very disappointed, to say the least. But it's a cool city, though. That's weird. I would have figured and I know Nashville and Memphis are not exactly neighbors, same state, but not exactly neighbors as far as cities are concerned. I would have figured, you know, that's still AFC territory. Maybe they wouldn't be Chiefs fans out there, but Ricky is showing love. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, I know Memphis and Nashville are about an hour or so away. But I remember last time the Chiefs played there, and that was the ugly 27-3 game. There was a lot of Chiefs fans in the crowd. So, I don't know. I don't know if that was just in people traveling there maybe because not that far. But I would imagine there's some Chiefs fans in Tennessee somewhere. So here's my request. If you're chiming in from a far away away, you know, we're, we're playing international this year. Chiefs are going to Germany. Maybe we can get an international voicemail ahead of the Chiefs game if you're listening to this one internationally tap in with us let us let, let us know where you're listening from once again thanks to ricky from memphis tennessee for that one let's get right into our chiefs recap Mahomes avoids. he's a magician chiefs recap oh did aaron drop out we just lost him. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, what's going on I guess here? We, I guess we can recap the Chiefs. Yeah, let's Jets recap. Game. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he just he just disappeared. So <laughs> hopefully he pops back in here in a minute. But yeah, so Chiefs going to New York, New Jersey, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Escape with the three point victory. Obviously, they're up seventeen to nothing. Things look like they were going to cruise. I actually tweeted a imp- posted a very immature post oh there he is we i closed out the, i closed out the wrong tab i'm like going through my laptop this guy's crazy <laughs> i was gonna say is that the wi-fi at 41 but um, no, go ahead. i started you off recap. the introduction so um yeah, yeah i'll let you sit back on this one 
Yeah, Chiefs recap. <laughs> That's on me. I got too many tabs up on my laptop. Closed out the wrong tab. Chiefs beat the Jets 23-20 in primetime. Sunday night football here on KSHB 41. Not a Patrick Mahomes-like game from QB1. 18 of 30, 203, a touchdown, two interceptions. He's actually outperformed in this one by Zach Wilson. I'm going to say that again, Mark Gunnels. Patrick Mahomes outperformed in prime time by Zach Wilson, who went 28 of 39, 245, two touchdowns, and a 105 passer rating, his highest passer rating of his career. It's actually, I believe, the first time Mahomes has been outthrown for touchdowns. I don't think I really said that the right way, but it's the first time an opposing quarterback has thrown more touchdowns in a game than Patrick Mahomes did. Really wasn't his best performance, but KC still pulls one out after leading 17 to zero at one point. Let's go to the podium first and hear from Patrick Mahomes before we jump back to you, Mark Gunnels, about his lackluster performance in week four. And I just, I didn't play very well. It happens. Um, a couple of the two, the two of the interceptions just underthrew by five to 10 yards um, and uh, missed some opportunities throughout the game. And so I just got to put us in better positions uh, and making better decisions um, so that the guys can go out there and work for me and make plays uh, down the field. Patrick, I know I mentioned before about your connection with some of your receivers, but when you look at your starting receiver of Tony, uh, MBS, and, and more, they combined 22 catches, 273 yards for the season thus far. Is there anything that they're not doing or that you're, or that you're seeing or that you're not doing that their production value may go up some? Yeah, I mean, I just haven't played very, very good to start the season, so I think if I start playing better, everybody will start playing better. John Johnson has stepped in on Facebook, said Mahomes – Mahomes' passes were off in the game against the Jets, especially his touch passes. What did you see from Mahomes that was off in this game uh, against the Jets? I think he just got careless with the ball. I mean, those two interceptions were those kind of soft floater passes, trying to fit into a small window, maybe getting a little too cute with the ball. Um, I think when you get out to a 17 nothing lead, and we saw last year, remember that Broncos game in Denver? Oh, yeah. The Chiefs were up, what, was it 27 to nothing or something crazy like that? And the Broncos came all the way back and almost won the game. And then Mahomes started throwing picks when they got big up big in that game as well that were kind of weird. And you were kind of like, what's going on here? I I think maybe that was a similar situation here. You're up 17 nothing. Things are rolling. Prime time. You probably get a little too overzealous, a little too comp, a little too cocky, maybe in a sense. And then you get a little loose with the ball, and then the team gets back in the game, similar to that Broncos game last year. So that's kind of what it reminded me of, just comparing it to another game. But he did make the plays at the end to seal the victory, right? I know we say Zach Wilson outplayed him, and, yeah, that was true for 90%, 95% of the game. But he did fumble a snap in a crucial possession. And then Mahomes did have the play of the game on the third and 22 scramble. And then, obviously – the run at the end to seal it where he didn't cover the spread, which we'll talk about later that uh, <laughs> prevented me from having a perfect day. But that, nonetheless, the Chiefs win. <laughs> I could just see you just balling your fist up, just angry. Like it, the, the way that it looked like you could see an easy score. Bro, I was like celebrating. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but whatever. I wrote down here in kind of our rundown that the offense kind of fell flat 
after the fast start and man i i don't really do they take their foot off the gas after kind of running out fast does mahomes try to get too fancy and you know try and and lose his fundamentals a little bit he talked about that at the press conference on wednesday about um you know having the tendency to fade away from some throws sometimes does the play calling not necessarily benefit them and maybe put them in the best position to win i think it's kind of a combination of a lot of things as far as why we saw a stagnation on offense especially in this new york game now let's give the jets some credit mark because uh, I, I believe pete sweeney tweeted out the exact quote but it's been a very long time since uh, an opposing quarterback has gone over 300 yards against that Jets defense. The the exact number is 22 consecutive games they've held opposing quarterbacks under 300 passing yards. I mean that that's that's top flight. And with, they got the best version of Zach Wilson that we've quite honestly ever seen in this game. And they had chances, man. I think if you, they missed a field goal. Obviously, that had could have made this look a lot different. I think Kansas City leaves this game knowing that even when QB1 doesn't put up his best performance, they can still find other ways to win the game. One of the big reasons why they won this one is the strong performance of the run game. And I said this on 610 yesterday, and I'll say it again here on our platform. I'm going to I'm gonna eat some crow on this and have a little egg on my face for saying that they couldn't run the ball earlier in the season. Because in this game, Isaiah Pacheco looked like a man on a mission. He had a career day there. And they seemed committed overall, man. You know, you bounced back and and defended and said earlier, like, you know, it's not that they can't run the ball. It's just, just sometimes they don't choose to run the ball. We saw from the first snap and really trying to separate and, and towards the end of the game as well when they were trying to squeeze the clock out. You know, they can run the ball and they can be successful and, and effective with it when they choose to be. So I, I, those are my big takeaways from from offensively what they look like against the Jets. Yeah. And speaking to the running point, let's mention this as well, because we only talk about it when it doesn't work. I think we need to talk about it when it does work as well. They yeah. were good on, on third and short in this game. Right. They, they didn't get cute. It was just, hey, we're just going to line it up here. I formation, hand it off to pop, get the first down. That happened multiple times throughout this game. So I do think it's important to highlight that because we've always ragged on them for not being able to convert on third and short, fourth and short, getting too cute. How does that happen when you have a, this great of an offensive line? So I definitely want to give credit there as well. And then also I want to kind of go to the other side of the ball because I know we're not going to be on this game too much longer. How about that tackle in the open field by Brian Cook? Game saving. I, I know uh, you were there. Mike Edwards talked about it today as well. I mean, that that's not an easy thing to do. There's been plenty of times where I've seen Brees Hall uh, take that as a house call. Like, he's one of them home run hitters. And when you're watching that play in real time, you're, you're thinking he's going to the house. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind. I'm like, oh, he's gone. Like, there's no chance nobody's getting him. So I, I really, truly think, like you said, like that was a game-saving tackle. Even though it was still in the third quarter, it was late third. But if you go down by a touchdown there, I mean, you still obviously can win the game. There's not not saying you can't, but it just felt like 
that would have been a huge momentum shift in the game. And the way the offense was going at that time, it wouldn't have been good vibes heading to the fourth quarter. So that was a big-time tackle, something we may look back on later in the season if it comes down to seeding or something like that. I think that's one of them potential season-altering plays. Like, I think it was really, really that crucial because I think you're looking at a team like Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, even maybe Miami still. Like, those are teams right now I'm looking at if you're trying to get that one seed that you're competing with in the AFC. And I think as it it is pretty much every year, in my opinion, I think it's pretty crucial now to have that one seed because you get that automatic win. You get that automatic buy to the division around. And I think that's very, very important if you want to especially host another AFC championship game inside of Arrowhead. Paul HBK is rocking with us on YouTube, says, hopes this is a theme on Pacheco's touches for the rest of the season a couple more notes on pacheco it was a career high 158 scrimmage yards 115 in the ground game 43 uh, receiving yards both career highs and the rushing touchdown he aims for his fourth game in a row with 70 plus scrimmage yards and third in a row with the touchdown week five against minnesota andy reed said today you know obviously he goes 100 miles an hour the push-up thing i thought was kind of cool uh, against New York kind of saying, you know, I'm not tired yet. I keep feeding me that kind of thing. The energy and the juice that he brings to the running back room, it, it, you can't put a number on it. You can't put it, – it's priceless, as the old MasterCard commercials would say. Like, he's bringing the best out of the rest of the room, I think, on the field and off. I was in the locker room earlier today, and – you know, you can tell when he's around, there's a little bit more pep in the step. The guys are smiling. I mean, this is a tough job. You know, these guys, especially the running back position, it's car accidents every play, Mark Gunnels. Like, th- these are these are the battering rams of the offense, quite literally. Like, for Isaiah Pacheco to come in as a young guy, have the success he did in his rookie year, and now he's not in take a grown man's job mode. He's kind of in, like, this is my job. This is my unit. I am. Uh, or this offense running offense goes as far as I take us, he seems to be doing it all with a smile. And I think as Andy Reid gave voice to today, it can only raise the rest of the competition level of the entire unit and help Kansas city be more efficient in the run game, because they're going to need that, man. The weather's changing. Finally here in Kansas city, we finally get into the sixties and the seventies. Like it's, this is, this is the time of year where it's going to be harder to tackle guys like Isaiah Pacheco, and I think Kansas City didn't use that to their advantage. Last thing before we move off this, I know we've been we've been on this game for a while, but this is a quick one. Is Zach Wilson fixed now? In your opinion, are you are you ready? Are you back in on, on Zach Wilson after he has a career day against the Chiefs defense, or was this just a blip on the radar and uh, <laughs> and kind of an outlier? It was an outlier. I, I don't I don't have much more to say on it. I mean. I guess just him and Mahomes switch roles. That's the only thing I can say. They switch roles. It was, it was like Space Jam. You know, they kind of like they zapped yeah, his they, powers. They took his powers and they gave it to Zach Wilson. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happened there. Um, yeah, I'm not going to jump the gun here. And, and 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 let's slow down, too. Like, their offense only scored 18 points. Like, it, it's not like they they were just lighting it up. I mean, the bar is so low for Zach Wilson to where – 
we're saying they scored 18 points as an offense, and oh my gosh, Zach Wilson fixed. Like they didn't even score 20 points. But he had, had a career, game. he had a career day as far as passer rating and completion percentage. Sure, like, and the, he still had the he still had the biggest bonehead play of the game with the the most snap at the 50-yard line. He still cost his team the game. I do think, and this has been weird to me, right? Like there have been quarterbacks that have struggled throughout their career or early in their career. You know, we've seen this story time and time again, but the reaction to Zach Wilson specifically has been strange to me. Like people are almost going out of their way. Justin Reed sent him a message. I saw LeBron James sent him love on Instagram story. Obviously Rodney Harrison tried to get something from Chris Jones and Chris Jones was happy to push back on that. I don't know. I don't want to wish ill will on anyone, but I just thought it was strange how how many people are coming to his defense after kind of just this this outlier game, as you called it. I mean, you don't think it's the reaction because of what Rodney Harrison did? Guys just kind of sticking up for a fellow athlete. That's how I take it. That's what I take it as. You know what's not out? Huh? No, you finish up yours. No, I was going to say, because he really tried to dump on him really bad. So I just think from a former athlete standpoint, he kind of broke the code there. So I think that's why you're seeing these athletes kind of really go out their way to stick up for him. And he's young. He's young. Yeah, he's got time. Andy Reid showed him love even from the podium on Wednesday. I know they've got BYU connections. But you're saying that game against uh, the Chiefs for Zach Wilson in week four was an outlier. You know what wasn't an outlier in week four for the Chiefs? That's Jawan Taylor committing another penalty for Kansas City. This one, while it wasn't a safety in my opinion, it was a face mask that the refs interpreted as a face mask slash hold that happened in the end zone. The safety, in my opinion, really flipped the tide of that game. It was 17-0 at the time that happened. Jets then get the safety, they get a field goal, then they get a touchdown, and then all of a sudden the game is a lot closer than previously expected. Juwan Taylor has already set a career high for penalties through four games as a Kansas City Chief. It's not lining up incorrectly anymore, Mark. Now it's a completely different set of problems. Is this just something we're going to have to live with, with Juwan Taylor on, on the outside for Kansas City, that he's just going to be a penalty-prone player here in Kansas City? Or are these some things and problems you think will get fixed by the time the playoffs come around? I truly think it will get fixed, and it's ironic because out of the new tackles, the other guy was the one that came in with the penalty issues, and that was Donovan Smith. I think he actually led the league in holding penalties last year for Tampa Bay. So I think it's kind of funny how it's not even him that's having the penalty issue, and it's Jawan Taylor. So Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think it will be fixed. I still think there is this microscope on him i mean and that and that was a marquee sunday night game everybody's watching stand alone you got taylor swift in the crowd so i i think that magnitude of it kind of heightens it even more for the officials to kind of quote unquote set an example of Juwan taylor if you would but i i truly do think this will wear off well he didn't get called for no uh illegal uh, lining up right like he I don't remember one of those calls in this game if I'm mistaken do you remember one so that's your silver lining here 
That is he, though. That, that's I mean, he, it's been the biggest. He gave up the safety, but at least he lined up correctly. But it shouldn't have been a safety though. He wasn't in the end zone. That was a bad. That was a bad call. The call was right. It just wasn't in the end zone. It shouldn't have been a safety. PFF has Jawan Taylor at nine accepted penalties through four games. That is the lead league right now, or the league lead right now. Switch those back around. Ah. Man, look, it wasn't a safety. But at this point in time, I can't shoot him any more bail, Mark. I really can't, like, make excuses anymore. We've come on this pod after every week of this regular season and said the same exact thing. Jawan Taylor is costing Kansas City's offense points. Point blank, period. And I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say he's undisciplined or he's sloppy, but he's he has not played well to start the year. You invested $80 million in a guy who cannot stop drawing penalties. It, it, it's I remember when we talked about this to start off, to start off the year, and, and you were like, well, just imagine if, you know, something like this were to happen in a playoff game. At this point, I'm expecting it to happen in the playoff game because Juwan Taylor has shown us the only thing that he knows how to do is to draw flags, Mark. It's, it's, it's. So, uh, I'm going to push back on you saying he's not playing well because it is one of them things outside of the penalties. He's actually is playing well as far as his, his, his pass block rate. If you look at, the numbers on PFF, wherever you like your pass blocking numbers at or your run blocking numbers, he's actually grading out really well. It's just the penalties kind of overshadow all of that. So I think it's unfair to say he's not playing well. I, I just think the better way to term it is, the better way to classify it is, the, is he's, he's, he's unlucky. He's, being un, he's unlucky right now. He's unlucky. But a, a great... Uh, someone once told me that, you know, luck is when preparedness meets execution, right? So is Jawan Taylor either not prepared or not executing properly? Because at this point, nine penalties through four games is not acceptable. I can't okay, well, can, fail for well, that explain, well, Okay. Explain this then. Why every week we see offensive linemen lined off, off, off the ball, off the ball, but they don't get called for it, but he does. So – how can I not say he's getting he's not he's getting picked on? I know it didn't happen in this game, but that's been the theme that we've been talking about throughout the course of the season with the lining up thing. We see it every week. We see it on Chiefs Twitter. People taking screenshots of other games and guys are lined out wrong. They're not calling it. So can I really put that on Jawan Taylor if he's doing the same exact thing as other guys, but they're not calling it for them, but they're calling it on him? What is that? I think, look, it's the National Football League, right? The guys across, lining up across from Dewan Taylor are arguably the most athletic guys on the field. I mean, those are, <laughs> I mean, the, the, those guys get paid too. They're on scholarship too. I'm not saying he doesn't have a tough job or anything like that. The chat is absolutely lighting up over this because I think Jawan Taylor is starting into, into that CEH territory. He's starting to become the most polarizing chief. And I waited for him in the locker room today. He didn't seem extremely, uh, happy to talk and he'd been somebody who talked in weeks past i think he's starting to understand look man it, it's not funny anymore it's not bad luck anymore as paul just said in the chat like at a certain point i'm starting to look at you where what's your preparedness where are you getting right like it's fine if you get beat 
but don't get beat and then cost us points. And there was a lot of bad penalties in this game and the sauce gardener thing he chimed in on and the horse collar tackle, horse collar tackle on Derek Naughty that really was the horse collar tackle got a lot of attention. It, I hate being the flag guy and I hate being the guy that, that criticizes officials and, and looks at everything they do with a fine tooth comb. But this Juwan Taylor thing is, is really frustrating, man, especially considering how much you invested in him coming into the year. I'm not expecting him to be perfect, but gosh darn, man. All it takes is one clean game. If he has a clean game against Minnesota. We four of, weeks in, them. Mark. Can you have a clean game a month into the year, please? <laughs> I, I, I I feel like a clean game is coming. I'm still I'm not pressing the panic button here. I'm I'm yellow light yellow lad. Light. Yellow light lad. I'm yellow light lad on this, man. <laughs> this will not be a conversation come November. I'm guaranteeing we talk about it again next week. I'm willing to put some gates on it. I think Juwan Taylor. I think I think Juwan Taylor is a topic again next week. I, I bet you we, we will not talk about it next week. We'll look forward to that. One more note coming out of the Chiefs and Jets matchup as we put a bow on that one here on Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride, episode 58. Ah, can we get through an episode without talking about the wide receiver room? No, we're back once again <laughs> after a lackluster performance. I, 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 what was the final number for the Chiefs wide receiver room against the Jets? I know you have it off the top of your head. Um, I don't, but it was not pretty. <laughs> I believe it was seven catches, 38 yards. Yeah, something around there. Yeah, seven catches, bad. 54, something like that. The wide receiver room through four games has not been what people hoped it would be. And part of that is because of Kadarius Tony's health. Part of that is because of Rasheed Rice and his drops. Part of that is because Sky Moore continues to put up donuts. Shout out to Gritty. I mean, this is Sky Moore's week one and week four performances right here. Uh, so the question I ask coming into week five here on Chiefs Coast to Coast is do the world champion Kansas City Chiefs need to look at adding another wide receiver to their unit uh, for the stretch run and potentially defending their title? What do you think, Mark Gumbles? I mean, you will be not doing your job if you didn't at least do your due diligence and see what's out there. But I don't think it's a pressing need at this point. Um, I mean, if you remember last year, I don't know if people forget, but this receiver room wasn't that good until about midway through. Like Juju didn't really start clicking until about week eight, week nine. And I, I still believe in this this young core. I still think Rashi Rice probably the highest upside now. The, the way I'm looking at it, I think he uh, he's really good after the catch. I think they need more design stuff for him to get him out in space. Sky Moore, the guy that you mentioned, uh, you just mocked with the the gritty of the the zeros, and the guy that you like the rub in my face that I said he's gonna have eight hundred eight hundred to a thousand. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm still not backing down on that prediction, but it's definitely looking bleak at this moment, to say the least. Um, I, I just don't understand how he's not getting targets. Like, I, I don't get it. I, I mean. He went down to Texas with Mahomes. It's a year or two. I feel like he could be a guy in the slot area that can move the chains. And I just, I, I'm, I'm not putting my finger on what's going on quite there. Um, I know Mahomes took accountability today during his presser, but 
think that's more of him being a good teammate than anything. <laughs> Obviously, he's not going to throw his guys under the bus. We know that. So these guys got to get better, man. And then where, you know, the guy that nobody talks about, and he's like the elder stakesman in the room. Where's NVS been? Like all this talk about the young guys, cool. I get it. Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, we have high hopes for them. Uh, you want to see Justin Ross get in there, but where the hell's MVS been? Hello, I feel like he's the guy that's been like getting left the hook. Nobody ever talks about him, like ever. Can you explain that to me, Aaron? He was in the locker room today. Had a chance to catch up with him, talk with him. He said that he thinks the young guys got a lot thrown at him early in the year, and he still believes, like you, in their long-term development and growth. We hit on this quite a bit yesterday on the drive 610 sports radio c dot brought up this interesting fact on your boy sky Moore, and I, I couldn't believe this I, i'll say it again here for our audience sky Moore has played in 20 regular season games for the chiefs he doesn't have a catch in eight of those 20 and one of those being the 23 to 20 win over the jets the question that we started this whole thing off was, is do the Chiefs need to add a wide receiver? My answer to that is no, but they do point blank period need more production and need more um, efficient play out of the receivers they currently have. I think with time, with experience and with comfort with quarterback one, some of that will come specifically with Rice. But as far as MBS is concerned, he is he is what, you, what we thought he was. I mean, he was a deep threat that came in and played with Aaron Rodgers. I could probably going to give you about 650 to 700 yards a year. Um, last year, I think he finished with like 42 catches on like some 80-something targets. I, I think, you know, they got a hodgepodge of guys right now. I think the thing that you look at is you say treetop view. The group is not where we want them to be right now, and you're still three and one. Like you have a when you have 15 at quarterback, your margin for error is so big. It's massive. You put Desmond Ritter back there at quarterback for the Chiefs. They might be one and three, if not oh and four. But when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, who even on an off day can be supportive with a guy like Isaiah Pacheco or even on an off day can make the key plays to win games. You don't need to have a rock star home run hitter in the wide receiver room. I don't see them going in the bargain bin and shopping for guys like a Chase Claypool or a Hollywood Brown or whatever your name is. I know people were mad that they weren't in the Adam Thielen sweepstakes or, you know, like that realm to me, I, I don't see it happening because they've already invested so much capital in the wide receiver room as it sits right now. You got a two second round picks for the last two years. Like that is the investment that they're willing to make. The rest of it is just time. You got to wait, be patient. Right now, they're three and one through four games with the wide receiver room playing below average. If you can get to average or slightly below or slightly above average, I, I, I see another deep playoff run. Yeah. And I will say this, though. I do think it's time to see what we got in Justin Ross. And I Why? mean, at this, because at this point, you haven't seen anybody separate themselves. Like, there's nobody in there that is standing But if out. he's not even getting touches, what does that tell you? You have to see what you got in him, though. Like, give him an opportunity. Draw up some manufactured plays for him. They do They do it for freaking Sky Moore on those little jet sweeps and stuff. I'm sure you can manufacture something for Justin Ross, especially in the red zone. He's your biggest receiver. 
big body guy we saw in the preseason that he can go up and get it if you just throw up a fader out. Like, why why not that, at least, at the very least? Just see him, put him in a goal line package, throw it up to him. I, I don't see what's wrong with that. I don't see what the – at this point, because you're not getting anything from the room. So if I'm him, I'm like, why am I not playing? Why am I not getting touches? Because these guys in front of me don't look good at all. He's not ready yet. I don't think the coaches will put him in a position to fail. I don't think they have confidence in his knowledge of the of the offense full scale. A goal line package? Not even a goal line package? I'm not on the coaching staff, sure. <laughs> I mean, if you want to throw him out there, I don't think it could be any worse. But I, I don't – I hate that, that Chiefs fans kind of have wrapped this flag around Justin Ross that he is Julio Jones and the Chiefs coaching staff is just leaving him on the sideline while they're scrambling for for options inside the room like no they brought him up for a reason but he's just not ready to be a contributor on every down he is a specialty packaged guy right now they haven't had an opportunity to use those special well, i'm saying i want to see those packages that's what i'm asking for i'm not saying get 50 percent of the snaps i wanted to see him at least touch the ball and see what he can do Kingdom Queens is tapped in with us, says, God, no, no more receivers. We have too many that are in similar roles as it is. Add a tight end, potentially. Paul says too much use, too much youth in the wide receiver room. I have a feeling this will not be our last time talking about the wide receiver. How about this from the juice before we move on? Because we're about to preview Chiefs Vikings big game in week five. There's been some conversation about the Chiefs maybe being a little bit too dependent on Travis Kelsey. Do you agree with that? For this year? I don't I don't feel like he's actually been involved that much since he came back week two. To be honest with you, I feel like they need to use him more. But obviously, I know teams are loading up on him and taking him trying to take him out the games because they don't scare, they're not scared of none of the receivers on the outside. But I, we haven't even had that Travis Kelsey game yet where you're like, oh, okay. This is the same old Travis Kelsey. Like, I mean, he's been okay, but I don't feel like they've gave him the ball enough. And one more note, Ron Kopp does great film work for us here at Arrowhead Pride, says Rasheed Rice against zone coverage, 11 targets, 11 catches, 127 yards, six first downs. Rasheed Rice against man coverage, five targets, zero catches, and a drop. So maybe that could be. Uh, how defenses have found ways to make the Chiefs wide receiver room look. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 
Brooks29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Still three and one, hoping to go four and one in Minnesota. Let's hop into our Chiefs preview. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Three and one Kansas City Chiefs traveling to Minneapolis, Minnesota to face the one and three Minnesota Vikings. Three twenty-five kick in a matchup that pits Kansas City up against one of the elite offensive units. Let's look at the injury report released Wednesday, first of the week, and some good news for Kansas City as they get back Nick Bolton and a limited participant portion he he was a limited participant on Wednesday he's back for the first time missed the last two games had an ankle injury Jalen Watson is back had the shoulder injury both of them were limited on Wednesday but returned Matt Dickerson was the only chief that didn't practice with a knee injury um the rest of the players were full participants that doesn't really worry me I think honestly if Bolton registers a full practice before the end of the week, I think he's back in the fold. And Drew Tranquil did a great job in relief. I think he led the team in tackles again uh, against the Jets. I think uh, Bolton, if he looks good enough, he'll be back. Yeah, and this is this is not a, a really a one and three team. I know they're one and three. Just don't look at their record and assume they're not talented or not good. I mean, their three losses were all by one possessions and. They've had a major fumbling problem. They've turned the ball over a lot. Like, I mean, they lost by three to Tampa, lost by six to Philly, and lost by four to the Chargers. And they finally got in the win column against the Panthers this past week. And if you look at their offense, I mean, Kirk Cousins, if if they were if their record was flipped, he'll probably be the MVP favorite right now. I mean, his numbers are through the roof. He's top two in passing yards. He's the league leader in passing touchdowns with 11, and he's completing nearly 70% of his passes while attempting the second most in the league. So he's throwing the ball a lot. It's not like he's just, you know, game managing and having a high percentage completion. Like he's throwing the ball around a lot. Obviously, it helps when you have the best receiver in football and Justin Jefferson. I know uh, Trent McDuffie talked about him earlier. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a big challenge. They got Jordan Addison. They got some weapons over there. I think this may be a shootout, man. I think you're looking at a game where they're probably going to put up some points. I know Chief defense has been really elite so far, but this will definitely be the best offense they faced to this point without question. So you definitely want to have all your guys back at full strength. Good to see Nick Bolton's practicing because you're going to need uh, you're going to need all your horses in this one because this, this is going to be a this looks like a trap a trap classic trap game if you would i mean you know you're coming off a sunday night game against the jets hard fought game going to minnesota you know 
kind of boring up there, not much to do. Playing against a desperate one and three team that's trying to salvage their season. Cause if you go one and four, you're pretty much done, right? One and four and two and three sound way different. So I, I think uh, they're going to have a lot of tricks up their sleeve this week, man. So a game that the Chiefs definitely need to come in with razor sharp focus in this one. You mentioned a very talented offense from Minnesota. This is what Chief Safety Justin Reed had to say about the challenge ahead of them in week five. For sure. Um, runs every route on the route tree. Um, and they give him the ball in creative ways. He also has a quarterback that is playing um, extremely well right now. And although their record doesn't reflect it, I think this is probably the best offense that we've going to go and play this season uh, this far. It was a very active locker room today. They had like a speaker battle going on. There was basketball goal, all type of stuff. In the midst of that, Justin Reed says that this offense is the most talented that they've played thus far, which I thought was interesting because I thought Jacksonville had a very talented offense and Kansas City found a way to limit them. We know how well the Chiefs have been playing defensively. But like you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, Addison, and what this team likes to do, Kirk Cousins seems locked in. Don't look at the records. Throw the records out the window. Justin Jefferson had six catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns last week. His fifth career game with two touchdowns. Leads the league in receiving yards. Had a receiving touchdown in five of his last six at home. Is going for his fifth game in a row at home with over 120 receiving yards. Like this, this is the only guy that was ranked below, or he was ranked just below Patrick Mahomes in the top 100. I know you love that list, that top 100 list. Justin Jefferson was two this year, so the the talent is there. Like this is going to take a full team effort to be able to stop this Minnesota team, Mark and. I like that. I like what you said there. Trap game. It's, it's early in the year for a trap game, but I think this has all the familiar symptoms. The The smells are in the air for possibly a letdown for Kansas City. Yeah, but I will say this on the flip side, that Minnesota defense is not good. It, it, <laughs> it's not good. I mean, if you look at all the major analytic numbers and stats, they're near the bottom half in pretty much every category. And, you know, people thought things would change because they do got Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator now, but still lacking in talent. I believe they're number one in blitz pressure rate. Like they blitz a lot because they have to, <laughs> because they, they don't have the talent to hold up just straight up man to man or, you know, just your structural defense. They have to kind of get creative and have pressure and we know how good Mahomes is against the blitz so I'm really curious to see do they continue that trend this week despite obviously the lack of talent but you're going against a guy who's probably one of the best quarterbacks ever against the blitz uh, according to the numbers so I, I do think this could be a game where we saw against the Bears now, now the Vikings are much better than the Bears all around but as far as just from an offensive standpoint I do think the Chiefs offense could get going against this Vikings defense. The juice is in is on YouTube and watching us and wonders, what do the Vikings do well that the Chiefs should be worried about? Well, the juice, two words, Justin Jefferson. All the stats we just wrote off, we just read off about him and his talent. Talked to Trent McDuffie today in the locker room about the challenge that he presents as already the league's leading receiver as far as receiving yards. This is what McDuffie had to say about the week five matchup. 
And he can do it all. You know, he can uh, stretch the defense. He can break you off off uh, the line of scrimmage. Releases are good. His routes are good. His hands are good. So definitely got a challenge this week, but uh, I know we're excited for that. Pat talked about the contested catches and how he's so competitive with those. How, uh, do you, how do you combat that going in, knowing that you're going to have to really fight uh, with him on those balls? I think it's really just a mentality, um, knowing that he's a dog on the other side. You know, he's not afraid to go get it, not afraid to go up and contest catches, two, three guys. It don't matter to him. So um, in order to combat that and kind of go against that, you just got to bring the same mentality, you know. It's got to be uh, when you go for that ball, you got to know that it's your ball and not his ball and just go attack it. You know how sometimes uh, teams will be like, oh, well, we'll just let him get it, get his, and, like, we don't want anybody else to beat us? Yeah. I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that this week. You can't let Justin Jefferson get his, because if you let him get his, he might walk out with 202 scores <laughs> and a win in this trap game. Yeah, I mean, he's special, man. I, like I said before, he's the, he's the best receiver in the league. I, I, I truly believe that. And he's so dynamic because – He's not the fastest guy, you know, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's so technically sound, which I don't think he gets enough credit for because, you know, you see all the splash stuff with the celebrations and the gritty and all that, right? The flash before the game, you know, he, he's rocking the jewelry, has the grill in his mouth, you know, I think that kind of <laughs> overshadows like how much of a technician he actually is as a wide receiver. So it's going to be a great challenge for sure. Let's get to Vegas. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by a leaf Let's go to Vegas with Mark. Tell me my numbers. Well, how am I doing? We were riding around yesterday, and I'm like, oh, man, tough week for you. He's like, no, wait a minute. Ow. Yeah, you trying to short me. Yeah, yeah. get me right. <laughs> yeah, he thought I went one and two last week, man. What? <laughs> you really should have gone three and oh. I, I can't even lie. <laughs> Pat knew in the back of his mind he was running, and he's like, oh, if I score here, Mark <laughs> Mark goes three and zero, so he slid, and that was your only miss. Mark Gunnels went two and one last week. Week four gives out three predictions every week and plays, as you should be following here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Last week's three plays were the Chiefs spread, which we already said was a miss thanks to QB one, but the two winners were under on Mahomes passing yards two eighty and a half, which just seems crazy considering it's been twenty two games straight since anyone's gone over three hundred. So that was a great winning play for Mark Gunnels. Cash that one. And then you went to the opposing sideline. Garrett Wilson on the over receiving yards. The number was set at 52 and a half. And I'm scrambling to get back to the box score now to see that he finished with 60. 60. <laughs> Garrett Wilson's final line was 14 targets, nine catches, 60 yards. So those are the two winners. Mark goes two and one in week four which brings his season total to five and seven, only two games and two picks under 500. Mark's giving out three picks in week five, which means we could be back on the plus side here by the next pod. Mark Gunnels, the floor is now yours. Yeah, so I'm actually going to start off in enemy lines here. You read, read off a good stat about Justin Jefferson, about his touchdowns at home. So I'm taking him for an anytime touchdown. It can, it can be... <laughs> 
he can be receiving or rushing. Uh, they have him for both, so I think he'll get a receiving one, though. But, yeah, I think that's a safe bet in this game. I think, like I said, it's going to be a lot of points scored. And Kirk loves to force-feed him the ball, especially near the red zone area. So I think he gets an end zone at least once this week. So I'm taking Jettis for a touchdown. And then I'm going to Kelsey over on receiving yards. I think this will be the game that he finally breaks out and looks like the Travis Kelsey that we all know and love. I got it at 82 and a half. Ooh, the most high. Had, it is high. It's high. But the most, high. He's had, the most he's had this year was 69. But I, I really think this is a great matchup against this Vikings defense that loves the blitz a lot. I think he has a lot of yak in this game. That's going to boost this yardage up. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets close to 100 this week. I really think this is going to be the Kelsey breakout week. So I like 82 and a half for the over there. And I like the over for total points in the game. Pretty sure you can see that coming based on how I've said this game. is probably going to be a shootout. It's at 52 and a half. I think that's a little low. I, I, I think the Chiefs can score in the 30s here. While the Vikings score in the mid to high 20s, I think in the Dome, it's going to be a track meet. Chiefs win the game, but I think it's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. I really, really do. So, Justin Jefferson, anytime touchdown. Travis Kelsey over receiving yards at 82 and a half. And the over on the total points at 52 and a half. Those are my three plays this week. Your three plays this week, I always like to give a lad lock or one of them that I really think is the winner here. I'll take Jefferson anytime touchdown. The stat that we mentioned earlier on here was that Justin Jefferson has a, a touchdown, a receiving touchdown in five of his past six home games, which just seems nutty for a guy that every defensive coordinator is trying to game plan against going into the game for him to still find a way to get into the end zone and gritty is, is just <laughs> special. So I like that one. Kelsey, 82 and a half. Uh, uh. The thing that you, worries me. You was kind of iffy on that one. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it worries me because we know this is a copycat league, and the way that C.J. Mosley was pretty much bracketing Kelsey at all points and times last week, I think defensive coordinators see that and say, oh, we can do that. We can run that. Okay, we can adapt that over here with the guys that we do. Not that Kelsey was ineffective or didn't find a way to impact the game. I'm not saying that. Um, but 82 and a half, he really, as you mentioned, he hasn't really had that breakout, breakout game yet. It seems high to me. I, I would I would fade that one. I fade Gunnels every week, but I'm, I'm especially fading that. <laughs> fading that play there. Appreciate your <laughs> Vegas contributions. Let me scroll through the chat one more time before we get out of here on episode 58. Uh, Jeremiah, this is perfect for you. This was our first question, 505. What has to happen to get Justin Ross more playing time? What, what do you think has to happen for Justin Ross to get more playing time with Mark Gunnels? I, I wish I had the answer. I, I really I really don't know. I mean, I guess the receiving room just continuing to look very mid for another four weeks. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I hope they incorporate him, like I said, in some goal line red zone packages. I think that's where he can be best served right now. Uh, if he doesn't, they don't have confidence in him knowing the whole entire playbook. I do think there's an avenue for that to at least be incorporated. But uh, yeah, I mean, wish I was a fly on the wall in that, in that coaching staff room. I would love to hear the conversation there. My advice is just to give up on that dream and enjoy the journey, my friends. Next question is from John Johnson. 
Do you think there will be a tougher defense that we'll play against for the rest of the schedule? I think this is referring to the Jets defense and just how tough they played Mahomes. Obviously, he didn't look great in that one, two interceptions. Will there be a tougher test, or was that the toughest test that Kansas City will face this year? I'm scrambling to find the rest of their schedule now. I, I think I think that'll be the toughest one. You think that's the toughest one? Yeah. I see Philly on here potentially right out of the bye week, the Super Bowl rematch on November 20th. That could be a tough game as well. Um, I, I mean, the Patriots maybe because Belichick always plays them tight. But, yeah, yeah you you're could, right. You could maybe argue maybe Buffalo, but without Trey White now, mm, I'm not sure. But they are getting Von Miller back soon. So. What do the Vikings do well that the Chiefs should be worried about? I thought we hit on that one already. Well, yeah, we did. Good episode. I know you're trying to run to KCI right now. Yeah, man. I might uh check out one of the restaurants there. I'm gonna have a little wiggle room. So it's oh a good airport. it's a good airport, man. It's better than Atlanta's. It's crazy. See, now you're just being disrespectful. <laughs> I see here. I I do I welcome you into my city. I welcome you on the 610. So like <laughs> You know, make your lifelong dreams come true and everything. And this is this is what I get in return. Good show, man. <laughs> <laughs> See y'all next week. <laughs> we'll be back next week to recap Chiefs and Vikings and look ahead to Chiefs Broncos, the first of their two matchups in 2023 for Mark Gunnels, Steven Serta, I'm Aaron Ladd. Coast to Coast boys are out of here.